Hey, this is Coach Colette, host of the Start Within podcast, and welcome to this new Coach Chat episode. So I love serendipity, and I was recently at the beach, which is my happy place, and I was sitting next to a woman who was just chatting with me. She had a lovely, adorable little daughter, and she said she needed to go do something in the water. And I was curious and I thought, okay. It turns out, long story short, that she was doing a ritual to honor the goddess Yemaya. I just had to smile and think how ironic it was to have this in-person interaction with a woman who believed in the powers of this goddess knowing that I was about to release this Coach Chat episode with author and spiritual psychologist, Anita Kopash. She is the author of the new book called Shallow Waters, which focuses on Yamaya, a deity in the religion of Africa's Yoruba people. And we meet Yamaya as she is on a journey and she transcends time and place and we travel alongside Yamaya from her native Africa into the new world. So in this Coach Chat episode, Anita does give us some sneak peeks into the book, so you'll want to listen to that. And we also talk about her spiritual journey being someone who was so open and so receptive, even as a child, being able to communicate with our ancestors. And we've talked a lot recently on this podcast about how it is that we decolonize healing. And Anita shares that if she had been brought to a typical Western psychologist, being able to speak to ancestors people might have thought that she was quote unquote crazy. And so we talk about what it means to be able to be open and open yourself to another layer of existence and another layer of wellness. Because when you're really connected to your soul, there is wellness. Plus we talk about Anita's Zero F's Given campaign which is all about supporting survivors of sexual trauma and violence. So get ready and listen up to this exciting episode on Nourishing the Spirit Within with author and spiritual psychologist, Anita Kopach. Yeah, so I think I'm curious well, which, which came first, right? So which of your roles came first? Like, what's your journey? Can you walk, walk us through yeah. a little bit about of your origin story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me take you way back. <laughs> so um, as far as, it's interesting that you're asking that because I've just had a conversation with one of my friends about how all of the many things that we've done in our lives that we pick up tools from everything you know and like everything 
to me in that sense has a purpose, right? And I would say, as far as my beginning of my journey in the entertainment business, I started off as a model and an actress at 13. And so I was coming to the city um, from California, actually. I was coming to New York City and working with my sister, Ivana, who you know. And um, so that was in the 90s and it was super fun. It was the city in the 90s was just so much fun. <laughs> and so that was kind of like the beginning for me um, in the entertainment business. What I feel like that did for me was um, basically allowing myself to express myself because I'm in front of people all the time doing things. And there was like this comfortability of expressing myself in front of people, in front of cameras, like that feels like that's what that was for, right? I knew it wasn't, I knew I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life, right? But I was having fun. So that was, that was the beginning. And then uh, as far as my spiritual journey, when I was 18, I thought that I was going crazy. I started to hear voices and I was just like, oh, great. <laughs> this, it's it, it's happening for me, right? Like, I'm like, what is happening? And what I realized is at the time I was at UC Berkeley and I was walking to school and as I would pass people, I would hear the voice, right? And then the voice would go. And then I'd pass another person and I'd hear the voice. And I'm like, what is happening? Am I hearing what these people are thinking? I'm like, that's not, that's not possible, right? <laughs> like, what is that? So I get to class and all of a sudden I hear this girl crying and I turn around. She's not crying, right? She's just there. Then I hear that something happened to her three days ago, she's going to be fine. You know, so I just turned around. I was like, listen, I know that something happened to you three days ago. You're going to be fine. And she was just, her eyes were huge. What I didn't realize, which they told me later was that her girlfriend who was sitting next to her cheated on her three days before. Right. And so, but I didn't get that. I didn't get that memo. Right. <laughs> I just got the memo that the girl was going to be okay. So it was just at that moment, it just got overwhelming because I was hearing all of these things. So I just took the back way home, got home. And um, my older sister, who not, not Ivana, Sharon used to go to Berkeley. And she was very close with a lot, a lot of the people who lived on the street. And one of the guys was outside of my house and he was like, hi, Anita. Like he had this huge smile and he's talking. And all I hear is, I don't know where my wife and kids are. I don't know where my wife and kids are. And so I was like, look, I know you don't know where your wife and kids are. And he grabbed me up and he was like, where are they? How do you know they're missing? Right. And like, like very violent. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Right. So I'm like, I get out of his arms. I run upstairs and I just start praying. I'm like, dear God, if this is supposed to be a gift, I don't want this gift. Um, you know, like it was just way too much. Next morning, all the voices are gone. All the wow. voices are gone. And so I, I said, I asked if, if I could have something that's a little bit more um, palatable, right? Like <laughs> that I could take. 
And I started having dreams that I was throwing stones and reading them. And so that's how I started doing readings. And so I would, I, I had these stones and I would throw them. Eventually I really didn't need anything. I just would need the person's name. And um, so, and this is at a time when nobody, I, I mean, it's over 20 years ago. So it wasn't how the world is now. It was really at a time, like people were calling me a demon. They're saying, how could you know these things? And um, I asked my mom, I was just like, mom, <laughs> like what's, what is this? And she's very religious. So she's like, honey, everything that's coming out of you is from God. Just know that. And I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Right. I, 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 cause it was going to come out anyway, whether she said it or not, that just made it so like comforting for me, um, in a world where I was definitely demonized. People would come for the information and then they would get scared. Right. <laughs> like, how does she know that? And I think it's so much more normalized now. There's a lot more, um, practitioners, a lot more people who are doing things. I feel like really like an old school grandma with it, even though I'm not that old, it's just, I started so young. And um, so, yes, that's, wow. that is, that's the beginning of like the spiritual side. And what I realized is that people were coming to me and come like just, they just kept coming for readings and it didn't seem like there was growth. It just seemed, it didn't seem yeah, basically it didn't seem like there was growth. And so that's why I ended up getting um, my master's in spiritual psychology so that I can then use these tools actually to help people feel like they don't need to go anymore, right? Like you don't need to come to me anymore. You've healed it, right? And so that was actually the reason I went and um, got my master's. Wow, that is so fascinating. And I love this as the host, right? Where I'm just chatting with you. And I think origin story, you ask everybody their origin story and then boom, everything flows out. So thank you for sharing all of that. And I'm particularly intrigued by this spiritual psychology, right? Because the, there, the, there's the Western psychology, right? That's very structural and racist and all of those other things. So how how does the spiritual psychology program, how does that work? What does yeah. that mean? So, so in spiritual psychology, the well being or the well person is someone who knows how to love and be able to be loved. So you have to be able to receive love as well. And so um, it is very similar to Western psychology. We did study a lot of that, but then there is the layer of spiritual psychology that we bring in, which is like you being able to speak to a grandmother who has passed, right? Like by doing a gestalt with her. So it would just be, you know, like role-playing, right? So you sit in one chair, being yourself, asking a question, then moving to another chair, being the grass, stepping into the grandmother, seeing what message comes through. So kind of opening people up to this other layer of existence and wellness, right? Because when you're really connected to your soul, there is a wellness, right? Like that 
spirit, mind, body, and spirit. Right. And that's so important, I think, particularly for people of color and other marginalized groups, would you say, in terms of, and other people that, right, hearing voices or getting intuition or getting signs and getting signals, right? The other forms of healing, I won't even say therapy, right? often don't include that and can then make the person feel worse instead of feeling better. Yes. If I went into um, Western medicine at that point, I'm sure, you know, like if I really was like, I'm hearing voices, they'd put me on something. Right. And I was, which, which sometimes it is that, right. Sometimes it is that, but um, in my particular case, it wasn't. Right. So it's that it's how how are practitioners able to explore the whole self and the whole person yes. and being able to make those distinctions, I think. Um, and I imagine that that is something that you can do now with your your clients that you work with. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't have private clients anymore. But when I did have them, yes, we we explored a lot of that. A lot of the people that I worked with came to me for healing um, sexual trauma. And, and it's very interesting because for a lot of people, you know, they don't want to just dive into that. So there is, you know, there is much of what's happening in their whole life. And, and then we eventually get to it. Um, While I have been known to push people past their <laughs> comfort zone. It's, it's still not, you know, like I, I am aware of what I'm doing and it's, you know, there's, it's kind of like with yoga, like you want to stretch and um, you, you want to stretch a little bit past <laughs> so that you can, that you can stretch past, you know, and, and grow and learn. And what I've noticed is that, basically the two, two things that people are the most triggered about are money and sex. And there is a whole journey when I'm coaching people in that way or about those things. A lot of times, especially if someone has experienced sexual trauma, the coach can become like, like there is either hatred or resentment towards me for making people move past it. And that was what was really important for me was to get past my own people pleasing um, (laughs) tendencies, because, you know, when I'm in that, it's really uncomfortable. Someone's hating me, right? (laughs) Or someone's like mad at me or whatever. And so I had to get past that myself in my own coaching. I have, I actually have about three sessions a week, right? Like I'm just like, I'm telling people just do it. Like get your coaching, get a whole team of people that are here so that you are successful in this life on all levels, on all levels. But um, yeah, I just went into that. I don't know what I was talking about before. No, I think what I was hearing though was was, the themes of 
in addition to right the people feeling the resistance to moving past their struggles right and raising my hand on that again also as a coach where i've said that i had moments in my life where i was i would say things like don't show me the mirror like i don't want to see right i'm not i'm not ready and and yet in terms of those two themes of challenges with money and with sex to me, and I don't know, I, I'm curious to hear what you think, what jumps out to me is then that reflects on worthiness, that reflects on scarcity or abundance, right? Like then that's, is that, would you agree that exactly. that's where people struggle? Yes, yes. And the big thing is that, um, so like it, it's pretty much a human condition to um, wonder about your worthiness. I haven't met someone who hasn't had that, right? <laughs> so, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm just thinking like narcissists might act like they don't have it, but I actually haven't met someone who has actually started doing the work, willing to look at themselves and be like, oh my gosh, it's been worthiness this whole time, right? Like that's why I'm a perfectionist. That's why, you know, I work myself to the bone just to prove myself or, you know, like there's just so many things where that um, comes in. So, yes. Right. And then I'm thinking to to your point of, of people that are um, that have experienced some form of sexual trauma. Right. Then that is that's like another layer on top of that that makes it even more challenging to. Yeah thrive and, and be whole. Yes. Cause then you add this layer of guilt of shame. Right. And the interesting thing is that even if you haven't experienced, um, sexual trauma in this lifetime, there is someone in your family line who has, and it has been passed down the reactions, right? So if someone is very guilty or someone feels very shameful, a mother or, or a father, and they pass it down, you know, how they act, you know, like then that's being passed down to you. So you might not actually have experienced the sexual trauma, but you're still acting out the, um, the illness from it. Wow. That's fascinating because I've heard of it in terms of like ancestral trauma, right? So if you think of right, black people, we're, we're carrying a lot of this and, and any indigenous people of color, right? We're carrying this. Yeah. And I was thinking of that, right? Like, I guess through DNA, right? Like that sort of thing. But then now adding another layer to that, right? Is the behaviors of within families of how we respond to things or how we don't respond to things or how we don't talk about certain things that guilt and the shame then can manifest in our own behaviors. Is that, is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. Yes. Wow. That is so, so fascinating. So was it, was it this or something else that led to your um, zero Fs given? Like what was the oh, yeah. origin so, for that? So it was zero Fs given. I was molested when I was seven. And um, one, I, I've two um, family members have apologized to me. I only remember one happening. The other one I do not remember, but it's in my body, right? My body remembers. And so what happened, there's, there's actually a few different things. I, there was just this realization that I'm like looking at the world. I have 
three kids. I'm already, you know, I have my career and I'm like, gosh, everyone seems to be enjoying sex. And I was not right. Like I was like trying to run away from it as much as I could. Right. There's, there'd be like a standoff in the bed with me and my man, like, (laughs) I'm like, no, not tonight. And, and I was, because I would, when, when I would start into the energy, it would just click into the memory and I would have flashbacks of what happened to me when I was younger. And, um, so that was happening. And at that time, my daughter, do- my middle daughter was seven and I, she was going to a um, holistic orthodontist dentist. She had an underbite and um, while the woman, and this, this woman actually did um, the master's program with me. Um, her name is Dr. Sherry Sammy. And she did my, our, we did our master's in spiritual psychology together. And so she knew some of my background, what had happened to me. So she was doing some cranial sacral therapy or whatever it's called. I don't know what it's called. (laughs) And on Tila and, and she was just like, oh, can we talk in the office? And I was like, yeah. So we get into the office and she's just like, has Tila been sexually molested? And I'm like, I hope not. Right. I'm, I'm super vigilant. like, I really hope not. Like, why are you saying that? And she's like, well, her whole body is acting as if something has happened. Like she, when she touches her in certain ways, she goes into protective mode, which usually only children who have been molested, this happens to. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And she was like, wait a minute. How old were you when you were molested? I was like, I was seven. And she's like, and hold, how old is Tila? And I'm like, she's seven. And she was like, oh, you're just passing it on to her. And I was like, hold up. What do you mean? And she was like, oh, if you don't go in and heal what happened to you, you pass it on to the next generation. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I need to do something about this because I do not want to pass. I didn't know it passed on in that sense. Like what? And so so, um, I decided to film my, my experience. And, um, I, I don't remember if you were at got, um, goddess on the go when we showed it, right. The, the film, I can't remember, but I did a film called touched and it, in it, we were basically following my journey of healing from sexual molestation. So for, um, probably since my twenties, I'd been doing talk therapy, got myself to certain area. But like I said before, I was not enjoying sex. I had, I still had a lot of issues in my body. So, um, I did this work with a, um, practitioner who could feel where you hold trauma in your body. Wow. So, so, you know, we went through many different things and he found where I was holding the trauma and you know, it was, it was really intense because, um, he went through my whole body from my head and finally gets down to my toes. I'm like, listen, I don't know where you think the trauma is. Cause it's not, I'm not feeling, cause he was like, it's going to kind of feel like a bee sting. And he got down to my toes and it was there. Right. I was like, Oh, and cause I really thought like he put, he was like, Nope, this is it. I thought he put something in me and he presses on it. And all of a sudden there's this screen that comes in front of me. Like I close my eyes and in my imagination, the screen comes up 
and it shows me the last time that I was molested, me and the person, right? And that, so I got to kind of see that I was a baby, right? Like, because when, when I think about it, I think about it as me, right? Like, not necessarily as just a little seven-year-old, right? Right. And, and I saw, which I hadn't remembered, that the last time I asked him to do it to me because it was pleasurable, right? And so that's where the huge like guilt and I'm totally engaging in a part of it, right? Like it was, I was just like, oh my gosh, that's where all of the, the shame and the guilt comes from because I was feeling like it was me, right? And, and so once I saw that, I mean, I was, I was a mess, right? <laughs> I was bawling, crying, everything. But um, the healing from that was incredible, incredible. And after, after I did that, I actually went and I, uh, one of my titles is a, a Tantra coach as well, right? Because I went and I studied Tantra after that so that I could bring people back to pleasure once they've gone on this journey. And um, yeah, like my experience um, in the bedroom is completely different now. <laughs> right, right. I, you know that it can be healed from an experiential <laughs> point of view. Right, right. You, you've walked the journey, right? It's not just theory. It's actually, you've lived this experience. Yeah. Wow, that's, uh, and I think it's, there's so many levels of that, right? And it just brings me back to that phrase of the body doesn't lie, right? The fact that we hold it there. I mean, I, I share EFT tapping. So listeners know that that's something that I do and right. Can have those moments of tapping on points. I've had, you know, experiences where we think we're tapping on X, right. Which, and then like someone once was like, oh, we're going to tap on back pain, but of course, no, that's right. Got transported back to where where that experience which was a traumatic experience right and the trauma is being held in that part of the body so that that is just very powerful and and thank you for sharing your your journey with us um and and so the film was touched and then the campaign around that is so that yes so the campaign around that thank you i love how you bring it back to what we were talking about so zero f's given is a um nonprofit that i started uh to help people heal from um any sexual violence that they have experienced so what was actually something that and i don't know if the numbers have changed but about two years ago when i had done research um we know for for women that there's there's quite a bit. It's between one in three to one in four people. Uh, women have experienced um, uh, some sort of sexual violence, and for for boys from zero to eighteen, it's one in six boys are molested, which I had no idea. I, I was I was actually floored when when um, I read those because uh, I was just like and and how many of them are not saying anything, right? Too scared to say anything. So that's when I was just like, okay, there's so many of us who have gone through this, 
And what to me, this campaign is, um, it felt like coming into a sense of power, right? Like getting past the guilt and the shame because each time I spoke it, um, there was less and less and less, right? Like it was just to, to now where I'm like, it feels like a blessing, right? Like it has, it has become a part of my life and has helped me through so many different stages that it makes me feel like it was a blessing. It took me a while to get to that point, <laughs> but that's where I am. And so zero F's given what it's, there is um, the t-shirt campaign. So 80% of the, the money for the t-shirt campaigns goes to um, this, the center for safety and change. I'm on the board and the center of safety and change helps people who have been trafficked, people who have been in domestic violence situations, people who have been raped, basically um, all gender-based violence. And they have a safe house, they have lawyers, they have psychologists, um, we're in the process of creating a fourth floor, which is dedicated to all of the children. Last year, the youngest trafficking victim that we helped was seven years old. So there's, there's all kinds of things happening, right? And so um, what I was saying before is that with, with zero Fs, you know, I help with Center for Safety and Change. And during the pandemic, I, I um, bought groceries for, for people who needed food. This was before, you know, the, the government was coming in and helping because they weren't for a long time. And so I was able to help people with food. I started programs that help um, people who have gone through, um, and, and it's not just people who have um, gone through sexual violence in the program, but it's so the, I would pay for people who have gone through that to go through these programs that that talk about different things. So there's a lot of different ones. Some of them are, are health, right? So for a lot of the people that I bought groceries for, I also added them onto this zero F's given restart program where we start, we learned how to let go of sugar, right? And so th there's just so many different things because when when you've experienced that, it's not just about oh, healing that part of your life, it seeps into everything, especially power, self-power. Um, because when you're not connected to your sexual energy, right, or your pleasure center, you are not connected to um, your sense of power, your sense of abundance, creativity. There's so many things that are connected in that area. So, um, so yeah, so it's not just about like, tell me about what happened to you when you were a kid. Right. <laughs> like right. 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 Um, yeah. And that's, it's so true that aspect of second chakra, right. Sacral chakra. So it's like all of those things are connected and it's interesting. Um, almost going back to what you were saying earlier, right. Challenges with money, right. Challenges with sex, right. Like then sometimes there's, there can be that linkage again. And like you said, whether, whether it's the personal, um, experience or familial or ancestral experience of um, being disconnected from from those from that center. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I also was thinking as you were speaking about, and I don't know if you know what the statistics are or were around people who were in domestic violence relationships and then being locked down in the pandemic, I can only imagine how challenging that 
super challenging. I know for our, um, for our county, which is Rockland County, we, our centers, our centers, um, what we, what we provide, it went up 70% during the pandemic. And there were also a lot of different things, um, a lot of different things changed because of the pandemic, like the cops cannot, could not come into the house. And so it was, you know, like um, people were being asked in front of their abusers, what ha- what happened. So it was just very, it, it, there were a lot of problematic things <laughs> that we had to like move through yeah. during that time. So yes, like for people whose safe haven was to go to work or to go, you know, and then all of a sudden, or go to school. And that was another thing as well. There was more children calling in where that was not the case before. So right. the children were calling in, um, you know, talking about their, what their parents were going through. Do you wear your busy badge so proudly that you forget to take breaks or eat lunch? Hi, it's Coach Colette. I know we've all experienced a lot of stress, particularly in the past year. That's why it's crucial for you to proactively create opportunities for self-care and self-love. Want to see what it's like to commit to seven days of self-care and me time? Then get my new resource, Seven Days of Self-Care. It's an e-journal that can be a resource of inspiration and ideas to help you find new ways to care for yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. As Audre Lorde says, self-care is not self-indulgent. It's an act of self-preservation. So go to gum.co forward slash self-care e-journal to claim your copy of this new resource. It will help you to be able to support yourself, find time for me time, and allow yourself permission to thrive. Go to gum.co forward slash self-care e-journal to claim your me time. Right. Right. Got it. Um, and we'll make sure to share um, all of the links to the campaign and, and, and resources, because I think it's so it's so important and, and, and healing on so many different levels, like you said, not just um, but it's, it's physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual. It's just definitely that holistic approach and and for all of us, I think. And I'm, I'm, I tend to weave threads. So you can tell me if it's a completely different thread, but, um, is this connected to the book or, or was that a different journey? Well, it's all the same journey for me, but if you read the book, you might not know that it's connected. (laughs) Got it. But, um, I, within the book, what I've infused inside of the book, which Right. So we should say the book is Shallow Waters and we will make sure that we share that link as well. Yes. 
Yes. So I wrote a book called Shallow Waters. It comes out August 3rd on Black Privilege Publishing, which is Charlemagne the God's imprint on Simon and & Schuster. And I'm their first fiction book. Um, Tamika Mallory's State of Emergency was their first book. And so I'm, I'm the second book that's coming out. And um, what I infused into this book as an energy is that we remember who we really are. And so what the book is about is about um, Yemeya. So Yemeya is, and you probably know who she is, but just to say for the audience, if they might not know, she is a black mermaid. She is an Orisha from the Yoruba people in Nigeria. And stories of, of the Orisha and Yemeya um, written accounts go as far back as the 1500s, but the, um, the stories and parables are all, um, they're all passed down by word, by word of mouth, oral tradition. So nobody really knows how old these stories are. Maybe somebody does. <laughs> but I haven't, I wasn't able If to we talk. ask, I'm sure we could probably get yeah. that or you could, I don't know about me, but I think you could probably get that information. Exactly. And so um, I've been connected to Yamaya energy um, uh, since I was, since I was 18 and I started on this journey. So I've been connected for a long time, but what sparked the idea of writing the book was one of my friends who is a priest in the religion who's passed on now, but he was telling me about how Yemeya watched over um, our ancestors on the middle passage. And I was like, what? We had a black mermaid watching over us, right? Like just that feeling was like, yo, yo. I want to write about that, right? And so, so basically I imagined Yemeya, um, this is, it's basically her life before she knew she was a goddess. So she's 17 in the book. Um, she falls in love with a fisherman in Nigeria and then the slave ships come take him and she follows the ships underwater. So she has her own middle passage underwater. And um, I'm not gonna tell the whole story, don't worry. Please, wait. I know, I was like, ooh, but yay. I love, I love the sneak peek, folks. Turn it up, turn it up. And so when, when they get to the new world, she has to cocoon herself for 40 days and 40 nights, loses him. So basically the whole book is about her trying to find him in a land where her skin color makes her a slave, which, which is completely new to her, right? And um, there are historical figures in there. And um, it's, it, it was, it was, it was, it's been a journey. <laughs> wow, that's, uh, yeah, okay. If, if you ever needed a teaser to read a book, that was, that was pretty awesome. I love that. You're like, just enough to be like, ooh, but not enough to be like, well, which historical figures and what happens in the end and do they get together, right? So yeah, I, I, yeah, you're good. You're good. You're good. Good, good job. Good job there. Yeah, now we're all curious, like, all right, gotta buy the book. Oh, that's amazing. But I think, wow, it, again, also really struck by what you said at the start of that, which was 
we all remember who we are. And, and I'd love, what is, what is that? What do you mean by so that? Remember who we really are. So remembering, you said the word demonized before, remembering who we were before we were demonized, before our spirituality was demonized, before our skin was demonized, right? Like, so back, back before we were brought over, you know, for chattel slavery. So this, um, you know, Yemeya is a figure that was there for us before that, right? And so connecting to her energy. And to me, what, I mean, I, I literally, I'm, I'm pointing to my altar and you can't see it, but I literally talk to my ancestors as if they're here, right? Um, the, ones, the ones that I know um, are, it's a little bit easier for me to talk to them because I ha already have a, a relationship with them but it's so important like like connecting with Yemeya you know has opened me up to connecting with my ancestors in a in a deeper way um and and that's that's the beautiful thing because some people are like well how do you connect to your ancestors I'm like just talk to them as if they're in the room with you and um yeah one really, really interesting thing that happened to me while I was writing the book. So I was writing the book the whole time. Oh, I didn't even share that I was the editor in chief of Heart and Soul for five years. So I was, I was writing the book while I was still working at Heart and Soul. And what was happening, so I could tell you one of the historical figures that are in there, Harriet Tubman. And so while I was writing it, um, cause it felt like she was with me telling me what was happening. Right. And at one point she said, okay. And I give, you know, this two-year-old a tincture, um, to help her sleep while they're, you know, while they're running so that she doesn't make any noise. Right. And so I wrote it and then I was like, Ooh, I don't know if Harriet Tubman was an herbalist. I don't want to, I don't, even though it is a fiction book, I, I'm being very aware of, you know, what I bring in with the with the historical figures, right? So I was like, yeah, I don't think that that I'm gonna put that in there, but I didn't have time to change it. So I went, I had a sales meeting in the city. Um, it was actually, we, it took place in a restaurant. So we were also open to other people who were around, right? So we did the sales meeting. And then after I was done, this woman who wasn't a part of the sales meeting comes up to me and she was just like, hey, did you know that Harriet Tubman was an herbalist? Stop it. <laughs> Just like, yo, Harriet came through like, bitch, don't take this out of the book. <laughs> and I was like, why did you just say that to me? And she was like, oh, because, you know, it's Black History Month and I was reading things and I just, you know, she just said that. And then she left. Out of all the people in the restaurant, she came to you. Restaurant, out of all, like, it just... I, I, there's things that happen where it's just like, okay, I can't question that. Cause I right. literally was like, okay, I'm going to take this out of the book because I don't know if Harriet Tubman is an herbalist. And, and at that time I had done research to try to find it out. And a little later, my daughter was reading a book on Harriet Tubman and it was in the book. And I didn't see the reason, like at the time that I was looking, I couldn't find anything online, which was interesting. And it's in the book that she was an herbalist. Mm. So, and, and I can honestly say that's not 
anything that I'm familiar with about Harriet Tubman, yeah. it doesn't write, it wouldn't mean that it's not true, but it's, I guess it's not an aspect that's highlighted. And yet in this case, right, the, the message came through loud and clear. It's so interesting when, when I think of signs, things that we feel, things that we may see here, all of those senses, right? But then other, so many other teachings, if you will, I guess, teach us not to listen to that. Is that? Yes. Yeah. There are so many things that try to cut us off from our instincts and our intuition, right? And, and so that is actually one of the things, um, um, why, when I was coaching people, I, it was called wild woman coaching, because I was like, I am here to connect you back to your instincts and your intuition, because so much is to suppress those things. So we don't listen to it. And, um, a, a beautiful thing for intuition. How do you know if it's your intuition speaking is if you feel no fear. So if there's fear with your intuition, like, um, like if it's saying like, don't do that, you're going to get what, it doesn't even matter what it, cause, cause it could say, don't do this. Cause something, something. Um, but if you feel fear, usually that's just fear talking mm. to you. Right. But if you hear it and you don't feel fear about it, then that's your intuition mm. or that's, that's, what's been my gauge. Yeah, you must be good because I think that was the question in my head that I didn't even articulate. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so this is very funny. <laughs> Listeners, again, can't make this stuff up because I think that's what I was thinking because I have these conversations. Again, I think most listeners know that I've been solo quarantining for this whole time. So I've done a lot of talking to myself. And so there is that sense of how do I clearly distinguish between the intuition and fear or intuition and doubt, right? Because I, I ask myself a lot and I, and I will get yes, no answers, right? But then there's still that thought of, okay, do I trust the answer? Yep. Right? Yeah, In where is that coming from, right? Like, where are those answers coming from? Is it fear? Is it lack? Is it love? Is it your intuition? Right. So many things. And then the more you listen to it, the louder it gets. I remember I went to go see Oprah once and she was saying that the, she was talking about how, when like God speaks to you at first, it's like a whisper, right? And then if you don't listen, it gets louder, like a knock and then freaking knocks you out. Right. And you're like, okay, I hear you. Right? So, I know. I know. I love that. I think she has called them like God slaps. Right. So I feel like sometimes I've gotten the slap. Sometimes I've gotten the punch. Sometimes I have to get kicked in the gut. Right. Before whether or not I listen to them. Uh, I actually have had those experiences though, where it was actually I guess it would have been, it was obviously all pre-pandemic, but, and it was actually connected to the podcast, which I think would be relevant to bring the story up. And it was clear as day, the voice that I even now can't even tell you what it sounded like, but it said the name of someone. Um, uh, Nana Isanaki, whoa, whoa. I don't even know that I told her this. And we, and she, um, we ended up doing a, a Let's Talk Live episode, but it was weird. It was like this clear Cause I was like in this, like, I don't know who should I, I think I was in the, who should I have on the show kind of conversation. And it was literally like her name loud. Wow. And I, 
and again, I'm home. I'm by myself and I'm like, (laughs) and I've had a couple of those moments now that I think about it in different ways. And that's, what's interesting about it, that, that it's different than when I'm asking the question, right. To myself, that there, there are those, um, um, times where I do hear things where it's like very, very clear, like the message is very clear. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, the funny thing, this is a story I bring up sometimes to show the difference because I am, I am super intuitive, right? Like, and I, I do hear things and I get messages that are very clear and very correct. But one time when I was leaving LA to come back to New York, my middle daughter, her favorite cousin lives there. She was young and she wanted to stay in LA. So right before we were supposed to be leaving, she was gone, her and her cousin, they were gone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, right? We're looking through the house. We're looking all over the neighborhood. I was like, okay, Anita, you're intuitive. Go in and see where she is. And I'm like, close my eyes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I see a red truck. And, you know, it took them. And so it was like, I'd like tell everyone in the neighborhood. Next thing you know, they were hiding in a friggin' closet. And I was like, my intuition was so off, like so off, but it was all based in fear. Like the whole thing was based in fear. It showed me the same way that it shows me when it is correct, right? Like, so, um, that's when I was just like, okay, when I am in that space, that is no time for me to like, <laughs> for me to drop in. <laughs> right, right. Not drop in and right. Because you're asking, you're not asking from a place of groundedness. You're not asking, asking from a place of secure confidence, right? It's a, it's a yeah. space of anxiety. It's a space of, ang- of worry. Uh, that makes sense to me. And, and this is a really great segue to the question that I ask all of my guests, which is what does start within mean to you? Oh, that is beautiful. Um, to me, start within does feel like that, like just closing our eyes, checking in with ourself. Um, what is it that we really want? And this time of the pandemic completely allowed me to get to that space. I, before I I had no idea that I was moving as fast as I was moving. And when the pandemic hit for me, everything slowed down. Um, The jobs I was doing, like basically everything shut down for me. And so I was forced to completely slow down. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have been outrunning my spirit, my soul, my whole life. I haven't allowed it to catch up. So start within feels like, okay, if you start there, then it's all good. Mm. Yeah, I just got like a warm and fuzzy feeling when you said that on the inside, that just feels yummy. I think I think I, I'm 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 being called to ask the a question around courage, mm. and where where is it that we can find the courage? And I know the answer is within, but like I think I don't know. Like, what, do you know what I mean? Like, how how do we maybe how is it that we build our courage to start within, or maybe to listen to 
what we get from starting with it. Yeah. I, it's, it's so interesting because as you asked that, what came up was um, curiosity, like being curious about ourselves and starting in that way, asking the questions, even small questions. Why did I just do that? Or why am I feeling this? And then kind of getting into the flow of um, being in conversation with ourselves. And then we can see where is it, where is it that the courage is needed, right? Like, what do we want to move through? For me, it took an, an, an immense amount of courage to even say that I was molested the first time, you know, and to go on a journey of healing it. And I would say that's where my courage came in the most. And it, while it does start within, it's so important to be surrounded by people who are, who want to see you win, right? Like by people who are encouraging this movement of your healing. And so when you have that, or you curate that, right? Because sometimes we don't, we, we don't have that. Some people are not born with it, right? So you got to curate it around yourself. And, and then what happens with courage is like, when you take a small step towards it, it's like it takes a huge leap towards you and you just like turn into this lion, right? <laughs> like, it's just like, okay, let me roar. Like when you say your truth for the first time, even if your voice is shaking, you know, there is this courage. I have chills. There is this courage that comes out that is like, it feels like it's coming from a well that is not necessarily connected to me, right? But it's, it is, there's, there is a, almost like a synergetic energy that, that comes out with you and the earth <laughs> when you, when you express it, if that's even a thing, but that's what it feels like. No, I think, yeah, I think it's that, and we talk about that I don't know who the we is that I'm speaking of, but like when you think of, like when you said that the connection to the earth, why it's important to have feet on the earth, like actual feet, not just our shoes, but in grass, on sand, in lakes, rivers, oceans, whatever. That's, that's where I, that's what I got from what you said, that, um, that connection. And I think it's because I've, I spent no time at the beach in 2020 because of the pandemic. And so I feel like that that's, that's where I, I really, although I was able to see nature, right. I didn't really spend any time in nature. Yeah. And that I think um, is something that I was lacking yeah. and, and missed that, that grounded connection to the earth. That's, Me too. Wow. Amazing. I love these conversations because I never know exactly where they're going to go. And this has been, this has been so amazing. And what, what's next on your agenda? Oh, uh, I mean, I guess what's next is really, well, um, I'm not sure how much I can share, but. <laughs> Ooh, oh, I love that. She's just teasing us all up and down. Start with them listeners. But, but yes. So, so they're, they're, they, I know what I can share is this is coming out August 3rd. Shallow Waters is coming out August 3rd. There will also be an audio that is read by my sister um, because I was thinking of who did I love reading me stories when I was younger, because I didn't feel called to reading it myself. I was like, I wanted to hear it in the voice. And, and who that was is my mom, but she was, I know if I asked her, she'd just be so annoyed at me. She'd just be like, Anita, 
I don't want to do that, right? Like she would be so annoyed. And so the second person was my sister. And so um, I asked if that can happen and they were so down with it, which then shows the sisterhood. And, you know, like there's just so many yummy things within that. Um, so those are coming out August 3rd. And it's super important nowadays, the pre-orders. So if you can pre-order, um, I would appreciate that. And if you tag me, I can repost it and show um, the pre-order too, as well. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So how, how we'll share um, links, but yeah, how do, how do folks find you on, on social? Yes, I am. My name, Anita Kopach, A-N-I-T-A-K-O-P-A-C-Z on Instagram, on um, Twitter, on Facebook, while I do not really go on Facebook. (laughs) But yes, I am my name. That's fantastic. And I love the sisterhood part, because when you were saying before about sometimes we have to either connect to the community we're born with, right? Sisterhood and or curate our community of support for healing and personal growth. I think that that's so, so key. Exactly. Very key. Well, I, I thank you for bringing yourself and all of the others that I think you brought to our conversation today, because I think it was just so so profound and, and so much of what I think I needed today. So I'm, and I'm sure that other listeners feel the same way too. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I actually feel the same way about the things you brought up. There were things that I needed. So thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and haven't already subscribed You can do so on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. You also can connect with me on Instagram at coach underscore Colette for more inspiration on personal growth and wellness. Stay tuned for another episode of Coach Chat and get ready to start within to finish strong.